This episode of Random Conversations is brought to you by Better Beer and their new Arvo Ale. It's a Pacific Ale, a craft beer, but without the craft beer wank. Nobody wants craft beer wankers or craft beer wank anywhere near them. Arvo Ale is craft beer wank free. Up the Better Beer. Jesus, good stuff. Hello, Swillians. Deadly here, and welcome to Rando Conversations. Kind of like Core Lords, but a little more rando because, uh, yeah, sometimes you meet people, you talk to people, and they might not necessarily fit into the framework of a true Core Lord in the surfing sense, but they're lovable characters nonetheless. So this is something a little different today because we got a chat with a guy who only came into my sphere of attention a few months ago when a mate tagged me in on one of his straight-to-camera social media posts where... He has, in the past year, gone from being a former forensic copper and nursery owner to a bit of a national celebrity. His name is Paul Fluffy Sinclair, and although he grew up at Ocean Grove down there in Vico, just a a stone's throw from 13th Beach, short drive to Torquay and Bells, you certainly wouldn't call him a surfer. Um, He definitely doesn't see himself as that. In fact... He sees himself and calls himself the hashtag gay farmer or, and I'm actually going to throw out a language warning here, which is weird because, you know, Ain't That Swell is certainly not known for holding back on the cussing. Uh, And as an aside, if you have kids in the car, you might want to listen to this app some other time. I'll give you three seconds to hit the pause. Three, two, one. Yeah. So, Fluffy is probably best known to social media users as the Hey Cunts guy. Hey Cunts, Hey Cunts, Hey Cunts, Hey Cunts, Hey Cunts. TikTok it Cunts. No, Cunts love you. <laughs> yep, that's him. And fans of Fluffy will know that he's just a thoughtful, straight up, kind and observant fella who shares wisdom and anecdotes with, uh, yeah, whichever cunts are keen to listen. And plenty of people do. Uh, and they listen for little nuggets, just like this. Hey Cunts. So as I sit under the fucking mango tree here in front of this magnificent stag, just some words of advice. Don't let anyone else ruin your fucking day. It's your day. Ruin it yourself, cunts. Tell you what, I've fucking ruined a few of mine. It's much more fun ruining it yourself than letting some other cunts come in and fucking it up. So ruin your own day talk. No, no, cunts, love you. So that's what Fluffy does, and he's hit such a chord with people that he's been able to give his old life the flick, and now he's actually touring around the country doing impromptu talk nights and uh, comedy shows at whichever waterhole invites him to come and have a beer and a banter, which is just so cool. Like, fucking, I love that. Anyway, I've been following Fluffy for only a couple of months, as I said, And when I saw him post from the beach at Lennox the other day, 
where he was walking his whippets, Ian and Versace. Uh, I hit him up on the DM to come and have a chinwag, and within an hour or two, he was sitting at the mic sharing his stories. So, yeah, I was a bit underprepared, and we, we kind of just went wherever the convo took us. So uh, apologies if there are aspects of Fluff's life that you're sort of getting into, and then we just veer off on some tangent. But, yeah, man, I just had such an enjoyable time chatting away with this totally unique, truly lovable, and toothless character. He's got no teeth. Did I mention that? Yeah. Oh, and P.S., if you get a chance to see him live, go and do it. There's no one really doing what he does. And you'll hear the dates for his upcoming shows in the convo you're about to hear. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. This house ain't no home sometimes. Yeah, get it, India. Or go to India. <laughs> you know, uh, like a lot of people, I just can find myself at times just scrolling myself down the uh, wormhole of social media, wondering what the fuck I'm doing. Hours go by, and it's not always the greatest feeling, and sometimes it feels like I'm fucking wasting my life. But every now and again, you come across something that just hits you, makes you laugh, or makes you cry or has a little impact on your day and our guest today is one of those people uh paul fluffy sinclair welcome to ain't that swell mate it's it's a joy to have you on i've only really known you for a short time and uh, i feel like you know you're one of those people who has had an impact instant impact on my life and i know you've had a an instant impact on many other lives as well mate so welcome to the show Hey, cunts. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's all right to say that. It's completely okay on this program, mate. Completely okay. Before, what's, what's the go with cunts? Is it like, I mean, you've made it sound endearing and Well, and I've always friendly sort of and, spoken like that, but um, yeah. it all started when I, I had to get my teeth out about 18 months ago. So I had four procedures over six months and I had no teeth. Anyway, one day I got home after the top teeth all came out and... I just made a video, hey cunts, talked about fucking mutant sunflowers or something with <laughs> explicit language all the way through and mm. finished with none I cunts love you and the um the auto captions that came up on the on the phone spelt with my lisp, spelt cunts C U N C E. So I've actually trademarked it and got the domain name. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah, got the whole Sick. lot. So yeah, I just, my act is basically, hey cunts, I open the video up, talk shit for 30 seconds, a minute, finish with no night cunts, love you, and it's just turned into a brand. Yeah. And yeah. comedy show, got invited, look, I just kept doing videos, I didn't think I was funny at all, I knew I had something, mm. um, and then nearly 12 months ago, so 20th of June it was, I, I'd been making videos sort of at home and downtime at work and mm. all my work colleagues knew I was making them and the boss knew I was making them and he obviously cracked the shits of my success and bailed me up that Monday morning at a seven o'clock toolbox meeting in the workshop in front of the other guys and basically said you're an embarrassed to m embarrassment to me, embarrassment to my family, embarrassment to the farm, get your stuff and go. Where, where were you working? Mansfield on a farm. Yeah. Um, I was living in a house on another one of their properties, 
So when he sacked me, I thought, fuck, I'm going to have to get out of this house. Mm. I had a, a little townhouse in Mansfield and that was rented out. And I thought, how the fuck am I going to pay this mortgage? So the health scare I had with my teeth, I lost about 18 kilos over six months. I had no teeth. wasn't allowed to eat anything but just meat broth. Um, and then I went through last winter and in Mansfield, fucking freezing. I mm. couldn't cope with that. It was crazy. Yeah. So because of what happened at, at work thing, I kept making videos and just downsized everything and hit the road with my whippets first of November last year. Mm. And now I'm at Lennox Head, New South Wales. And you're doing comedy shows and you've struck yeah. a chord with a, a huge online audience. Yeah. So like, I, how quick has that been for you? Like, uh, you're just making a couple of videos to... Well, it's 12 months, not even really 12 right. months since I mm. sort of, I got sacked from work, ended up in a really dark spot, didn't make a video for about three days. Um, messages, hundreds of messages, where are you, Fluff? Where? Why haven't you made a mm. video? But you haven't posted one, what's happened? Are you all yeah. right? And I thought, fuck me, I'm here, I am just ready to do something to myself. And I reached out and got professional help. I made a video about that. I was in, I broke down on the video. Um since I made that video, I've had hundreds and hundreds of WhatsApp calls, messages mm. of, of people in similar situations that have reached out themselves and got help because they saw what I was going through. Hundreds of people have gone to the dentist and had their teething problems fixed up. I've just turned into some fucking sort of therapist. Mm. Um, mm. Anyway, I've got something there, so I'm just... Rolling with it. So I got invited to open up Tommy Little show at the Brisbane Comedy Festival. Mm. Uh, it was a couple of months ago and just had a little five-minute – I didn't realise I was opening. There was 1,100 people in the theatre, two-storey mm. theatre at the two villains. I thought, fuck me, and um, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> had you done that before? Start stood in front of a room full Never. of people. He, and- we had a radio interview. Yeah, and he asked me on on the interview on the radio if I'd ever done stand up and if I'd want to do it. And if ever you do, just send me a message and you can come on my show. Love to have you on mm. your show. And a couple of months after that interview, I sort of ummed and ah, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be in Brisbane or near Brisbane when his show is. So I sent him a message and he said, "It's the best news I've ever heard. I'm just yeah. about to go on stage at Adelaide. I'll call you after the show." And bang, yeah, nailed it. And Sunday morning, I had a message from the Metropole Hotel in Lismore to say, would you bring your show to Lismore? And it's yeah. like, well, I haven't fucking got one. So I just went through all my videos and wrote something down and, yeah, had a full house last Saturday night, nailed it again. <laughs> yeah. Pulled it apart, I recorded it. We sort of pulled it apart a bit and we're just tweaking it a bit. My next yeah. show's in um, five weeks at the Broad Beach Surf Life Saving Club. Once again, they reached out to me. I went and visited them one morning on the beach at their IRB training, those fucking boats. Mm. And um, they invited me to do a show and I thought, I can do that. So 8th of July up at the Gold Coast. Show number two, fuck me on the Gold Coast cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal, man. Unreal. And it's like, you know, you, we were talking just when you first rocked up a second ago about, you know, what, what have I created here? It's just, it's just you being you. And you being you is sincere and vulnerable and open and full of, you know, wisdom from a, a, what's been, a, I'd imagine, a, a pretty well-lived life. Uh, I heard you sort of talking about the meaning of Gronk in one of your videos oh. and, and taking 
that apart and dismantling it. And I was like, wow, like, you know, you, you were in the force, um, obviously uh, in forensic. Yep. Uh, yep, fingerprint expert in forensic. Yeah, the it's DNA. crazy. But, like, man, if you don't mind, I'd love to just find out a little bit about who you are because we're, we're kind of flying blind here. Yeah, yeah. But you said that you grew up in uh, Ocean Grove, so like down on the yeah. So down fifty-four in years old, I am. Yeah. I was born in nineteen sixty-eight down on the beach at Ocean Grove. My grandparents had a couple of farms down there: dairy farm, potatoes. We grew mm. broccoli. A couple of years we grew broccoli and lived at the beach at Ocean Grove. Just um, I had a foam surfboard, um, no leg ropes back yeah. then. Uh, gravel rash on your belly, no yeah. wetsuits. Uh, Torquay was only, you know, 25 minutes away down the road, 13th yep. Beach. Well, that was Barwon Heads, uh, Bell's Beach is Torquay. So, yeah, lived on the beach. Um, and then I sort of discovered boogie boards. They just yeah. became invented with the fins and that was that was me. My brother had a three-fin thruster yeah. board. I had a few rides on that and that fucking landed and hit me and <laughs> no, nah, I didn't like Yeah. I could stand But the bodyboards had their, their issues because uh, those early models were hardcore on your body rash wise. Oh, the, shred you. Yeah, we had, we used to wear like just t-shirts to, yeah. there was no rashy vests, mm. no fucking sunscreen. Our backs would be red fucking raw. Then yeah. we'd sit on the, the dunes and we'd pick each other's peeling skin off like fucking monkeys. Mm. So, yeah, Ocean Grove and, um, well, basically all my life I left Ocean Grove. I joined the police force when I was 19 in Victoria and sort of moved out of the family home. What what led you to that call, mate? Someone dared me. That's it? That was a dare, $100 bet. Um, friends of friends, we went to the snow one weekend and her boyfriend was this fucking brand new copper, built like anything, and I just fucking stared at him the whole weekend and yeah. we got on the, I don't know, schnapps or something around the fire that night and he was talking about the police academy and I said, I could fucking do that. <laughs> and then he said, I'll dare you to. So got back home, got the form from the local police station, put it in, word went around town. I was like, fuck me, who the fuck is he going to arrest? He's mm. a little bloody 55 kilo thing. Um <clears throat> But how, yeah. how did the, uh, like, you know, your, I guess, the culture surrounding your childhood fit in with joining the force? Like, did you have sort of plans to do anything no, else? Or? No, as I said, it was a it was a dare. I had a job <clears throat> at the local supermarket. I was up in payroll upstairs. I was sort of fairly academic, so I was switched on. There was no computers back then. It no. was this old fucking paperwork Kalamazoo system from memory. Mm. Um, yeah, did all the accounts. <clears throat> And, yeah, the, joined the police force, got accepted, and I thought, fuck, I start the 8th of February, 1988. 88. Yep, in the police force. So I had seven years, had to do all sorts, had did five years on the road, like general duties in the mm. divvy van, traffic police, didn't like that. Fucking, I hardly booked anyone. Nah. Um, that just wasn't my thing. And then after five years, became a senior constable and took promotion at the Fingerprint Bureau. So... Oh, I love that. I, I play piano. I studied piano for most of my childhood. So I sort of had an interest in fingerprints. And yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, that, that's, that's me. And I love that. Um, we, How did the police force sort of just gel with you as a, a human being? Was it something that you got a lot out of or was it oh, something that yeah, you... Yeah, look, it's got me to a lot of places today just by having that on the resume. Um, 
all my squad mates. There was two squads went through at the same time, so mm. there was 60 of us. I still catch up with most of them. Um, some are still in the job, but 42 years later, 44 years later, um, they're coming to my show up at Broad Beach. I caught up with them when I was up there. Mm. And just this bond, like you just – first responders, emergency services, police, ambulance, uh, nurses, doctors, ICU workers, there's this just bond. Mm. You don't have to talk about it. You know, there's just – you know what everyone's been through? Mm. You know what they're still going through, what they see every day at work, the fucking shift work, trying to juggle a family and kids and – and just the way that the streets are nowadays compared to 35 years ago, I, 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 I couldn't even fucking walk with all the shit that they got to wear, all those cameras mm. and there's just so they're belt. Anyway, so. Mate, I'd, look, I'd love to just, just uh, peg you on this for a little bit because, you know, uh, 88, is that what you said? You joined the yeah, force February there. February the so, 8th, 88. You know, you're talking about the tail end of the joke, the, the Queensland Police Force famously being the most fucking corrupt system or part of the most corrupt system on earth at the time. You've got Sydney just about to come into its sort of, you know, particularly the inner city of Sydney coming into a pretty well-known period of, of bent cops and fucking that sort of underbelly side of things. And then just as you join in Victoria, like things are starting to heat up, you know, with all the pingers and all those new drugs coming in and all that that same sort of thing. Like, was that sort of a, a part of the world you were in when you were doing no, never, never. My parents didn't drink. Um, they didn't smoke. We had sort of a, a close sort of network of local families. I can only ever remember one lady, one mother of my best friend smoking. Um, I, I never saw any drugs. Never... In your time in the force, oh. uh, famously there was like you know there was massive uh, drug gang wars throughout. Yeah, there Melbourne was the um that that sort of underbelly side of thing. All those movies were made out of that sort of happened after I left. But the it went way back before then. I actually it, it was about twelve weeks ahead of me. Um, one of the young coppers that was ambushed in the Wall Street murders, mm. Damien Eyre, he was actually in the academy. He was in the same accommodation building. And so I sat there watching TV with him and all the other guys and then I was actually on days off when that happened. I woke up to the news that um, two coppers had been ambushed in Wall Street in South Yarra in Melbourne and it was like, fuck. That changed... Everyone in the place, it was quite casual up till then uh, for coppers, um, but that just changed. You watched your back. Mm. You watched your mate's back. Um, I saw corruption. Um, I saw people getting bricked, or they call it a hamburger with a lot. Mm. They just throw everything at them, and you knew they didn't do it, but they just, there was some bad people that I worked with, um, a lot of, a lot of great people as well. Um, I, look, I'm glad I did it. I still get asked by many people, oh, my son or my daughter wants to join the police force and what, what do you reckon you'd have a chat? I just say, just give it a crack. Mm. If you can get through the, um, the bullshit of the entry level stuff you got to go through now, we didn't have to do any of that. We just had to get a 
fucking eye test. Um, you have to do a little bloody psychology test. I don't mm. know what those things. They fucking analyse you and pull you apart and find out if you're fucking, I don't know, schizophrenic or whatever. Mm. Uh, we had to run. We had to jump over a fence. And you're in. <laughs> now, fuck, yeah. you've got to do... And now, like, if you haven't got a tertiary qualification, promotion-wise, you're fucked. You're yeah, just, right. You're just a general duties copper the whole time. Mm. So I just say to people, if they want to join, just give it a crack. If you don't, if you get through, give it a crack. If you don't like it, fucking quit. Mm. But it's it's an experience that I'm glad I did, for sure. There's certainly no regrets there nah. whatsoever. I just You just saw stuff that you'd never see, and it... The bond, as I said earlier, the bond between all those first responders, you never lose that. No. And if you resign or if you quit being a nurse or a doctor or a fiery ambo, you're still in the in the gang, yeah. if you know what I mean. Mate, uh, give us a bit of an idea about sort of what that fingerprinting work entails. Is Was there was there days on the job that were just insanely satisfying and you were breaking cases wide it. open? Or it was, um, you always went to the... The event after the fact, so there was no threat there. The threat level's gone. Yeah. The house has been broken into or the car's been stolen and recovered and you would go there and fingerprint the vehicle or go through the house. Um, you had to jump in the shoes of the offender um, because they don't just walk in a front door. They you've sort of got to – and you learn that just over time. You sort of put yourself, okay, if I was the crook, Breaking in here, where would I first go? Would I touch the video? How would I pick the video up? Mm. How would I open the drawer? A lot of crooks would go and have a shit. It's one of the first. That's, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'd make themselves a fucking milkshake. <laughs> it, some of the behaviour, and then the, the, that was a perfect thing. You'd go straight to the, the kitchen, um, and here's the glass that they had a fucking milkshake with or a beer or a stubby or something out the fridge and fucking covered in their fingerprints. Fuck, no way. Like, yeah, just not the brightest fucking candles on the cake, some mm, of them. Mm. Um, so we did that for a couple of years and then we had to then, like all the fingerprints would come in to the office on, on the, the bits of card and we then had to classify them, which is they get, they get this sort of mathematical fraction-looking classification um and that that was the filing thing and so we did a lot of that and then you would go out to the down to the coroner's court the pathology because every um deceased body had to be fingerprinted mm. um go to murder scenes and have to fingerprint the deceased in situ then escort the body with the pathologist back to the or the coroner back to the more be present in the autopsy. So any, or say, a shooting victim, mm. uh, the pathologist would extract the bullet. And he'd hand that to me. I would bag, label, exhibit number. It was that continuity of evidence. So, and look, I love that. I love getting in, finding out how someone died. Mm. Um, one of the first thing with murder victims, for instance, it's quite... The adrenal gland or the adrenaline gland you've all got is about as big as half your little finger, like mm. the end joint of your little finger. It's just this little nipple-looking thing uh, under the sternum, right within. And when you have a rush of adrenaline, like you get goosebumps on your neck or you catch a good fucking wave or you mm. see a good break and fuck yeah, that's cracking, I'm getting out there and you get this rush. So this little gland would swell up 
to about four times its size, to about as big as your thumb. So with murder victims, that was one of the first things that the pathologist would would go for because if the adrenal gland was its normal size, it the victim was taken by surprise. Mm. Then on the other hand, if the adrenal gland was inflamed and they knew what was happening, they were fighting for their lives. So mm. the investigation would then go down a different like that was the first thing. So you could either go down the n- not known avenue or the adrenaline avenue, mm. and then you'd go for um, fingernail scratchings if yeah. they were fighting off offenders. So it was just this real process, um, and that's they still do that today. That mm. hasn't changed. A lot of DNA technology is is come back when I was in. Uh, the reason I left actually is the police force is going to send. There was four of us chosen in the fingerprint bureau to go to university to do a six-year fucking science course on DNA. Some uh, I was fucking hopeless at science. I couldn't light the fucking Bunsen burner, <laughs> yeah. let alone do fucking experiments. And yeah. That wasn't my thing, and I had no choice in it. They almost sort of bullied me that, well, you're doing this. It's just you. It's, you haven't got a choice in this. And it's mm. like, well, I fucking have. Yeah. There's my resignation. Mm. Mm. And so, so what year was that, mate? How long have you been in the force was, for uh, So I, my last day I resigned. So they enrolled me into the university. I thought, I'm going to play with these cunts. They can fill out all the paperwork, everything. I knew I was going to quit. They mm. didn't. And I gave my resignation. And my final date was New Year's Eve, 31st of December, 1994. And fuck you. Mm. And then that night, actually, well, the last day of work was the Friday. The 31st was a Saturday, New Year's Eve. And that night was the first time I had a toke on a joint. Yeah, right. I didn't even smoke cigarettes in the whole time in the police force. Didn't even smoke cigarettes. Had my first. I said, right, someone give me one of these fucking <laughs> joints. And yeah. I was fucked. I had fucking <laughs> nicotine head spins. I was on the floor with my legs up in the couch. I went pale. All my mates in Param were just laughing at me. And so I'll never forget that date. Mm. Never. And how many joints have you had since? Oh, I fucking lost count. <laughs> Lost count. So, where do you go when you like, when you leave the force? Like, do you have a? Do you have? You know, it's it's such a, a fucking institutionalized sort of organization. You know, you like there's structures, there's hierarchy. You're living in this very, very sort of fucking stru- Yeah, like I say, yeah, it was but, very regimented. The structure was good. I've sort of needed when I grew up at Ocean yeah. Road. We were just told to get out the house by fucking eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. don't know where, don't care where you go, but make sure you're home when the street lights come back on. Mm. This is at Ocean Grove. We just end up down the fucking beach yeah. all day, every day. I think anyone can relate yeah. to that. That's yeah. kind of how and it was then, back in the day. Yes, seven years, especially in the police academy, you learn you've got to fucking make your bed and um, hospital corners and they come and check it out. They do random – it's really quite intrusive, but it, it was a really good disciplinary regime to mm. be a part of and to – I still make my bed every day. I get yeah. up early, get yeah. some sleep-ins if I'm a bit fucking dusty from the night before, but I always say, if you win the morning, you win the day. Yeah, it's a good saying, that one. Yep. Yeah, I love Just, that. And you do. I tell you what, I'm the, the amount of work I get done before fucking 10 a.m. is amazing, and then I only get about half that done for the rest of the fucking day. So, yeah, yeah win the morning, 
win the fucking day, cunts. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And so where, what, what did your sort of um, life plan look like after leaving the force uh, and having your first puff on a little fucking doobsie? Well, just... I went – I had a little apartment in South Melbourne in this complex and I had pot plants, not pot as in dope, but no. just little plants of fucking petunias and flowers and toperies. And I used to go to nurseries on weekends, plant nurseries, and I just loved them. So I took a fucking leap. I found a block of land down at uh, Newtown in Geelong. It was actually a vacant block behind a, a shop which had fucking craft stuff in it. But the yeah. owners, he was a copper down at Geelong, and I leased it off him and opened up a nursery on the about the 3rd of March. 1995, built that up for, did landscaping, never done that before, just fucking winged it, mm. nailed it, built that up over, what, five years and sold that. Actually, settlement was on my 30th birthday in 1988, mm. uh, 1998, sorry. So that was my uh, settlement, then I had another two-week handover after that. And then I went into the hotel hospitality game just to get a, know, a trade, mm. skill. I, what the fuck am I going to do? Left the police force. What the fuck am I going to do? Sold the nursery. What the fuck am I going to do? Go into hotel hospitality. And I learned off someone, they said, if you're going to learn hospitality, go and work at a casino because they've got all the best systems. They've, they've fucking got it nailed. They've mm. got their cafes nailed, the food and beverage, hotel games, accommodation systems, uh, point of sale outlets. And this is back in the late... 90s, yeah. Um, there was no smartphones. I think the sm first smartphone was 04. Oh, fuck, I got no idea, mate. I held off on that technology for yeah, as long as I could. I still those. don't have TikTok, I wouldn't know. Like, I didn't have well, Instagram, I, don't I, I wouldn't have, have TikTok anymore. They fucking banned me three times. <laughs> what for language? Well, no, for um, for being successful. So there's language all over TikTok, yeah. Um, and I'd beat the algorithm with that spelling C U N C E, yeah. And so there's a TikTok creator fund. So you go live and when you do a live video, people give you gifts, which is money, mm. which translates into money. So I set all that up. I was going live and like I had 267,000 followers. So I would have 30,000 people on every live mm. just throwing me half a cent or one cent doesn't sound much, but when there's 30,000 people are doing it mm. over an hour, I'd end up with five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Some lives went over well over a thousand dollars. And I managed to withdraw three transactions when it first started of about 280 bucks. And the rules are you can only withdraw maximum 200 bucks a day or a thousand dollars a week. So the next day I went in to withdraw the 200 bucks. No, there's a problem. Buffering, please try again later. I'd send out help emails, would never get a reply. They would send your messages to say you're in the top 2% of the creator fund. We keep going live. You're amazing. Like really mm. encouragement. So I did. The more money had come in and that went on for, so we're up to about, First account got banned on the 31st of October. Fuck knows how I remember all these dates. Yeah. They're just upstairs somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. So I mustn't have had too many joints. Um, so that first account got banned on the 31st of October and that had over $8,000 in it that I couldn't withdraw 
banned the account and they kept the whole lot. Fuck. Second account got up to about 80,000 followers. That had $4,000 in the account. I'd, I'd managed to withdraw a couple of transactions. Yeah. So the pa- PayPal and the bank account, everything was working. Yeah, yeah. Um, they kept it. So it's over 12 grand now they kept. The third account, they shadow banned, so it would never go out on the or for you page, which it just voluntarily. The more views you get, the more likes you get, the more places that particular video goes. But my third account got banned, uh, shadow banned, so that never went out there. I then got onto Instagram. That's now up to 125,000 followers. So good. Um, Yes, I spoke to a senator up in Canberra about this. I said a friend of a friend of a friend knows his father, so Mm. I sort of got in the back door. And I won't mention his name, but he rang me up and I said, this is fucked. How? This is like international theft. He said, I know, we can't do anything about it. The media won't. I said, well, why is the fucking media not putting this out there? I'm getting messages off everyone to say, oh, it's... Don't rely on the media to do anything, mate. The only thing they do is distract you from everything that's real that's going on. People, there was one, so many messages came in about this one lady. She was like a, a Polish lady that lived in the States and she had like over $20,000 in her creator account and she was going to use that to go back to Croatia or Poland to bring her elderly parents back to America because they needed care. Mm. um, They banned her account, kept all the money. Yeah. Bang. It's just, and anyway, this senator said it's going on all over the world, just delete the app. Yeah. All these people that are giving you these gifts, they get a fucking credit card and put a hundred bucks in there to give to their favourite creator so that you mention their name and they get this happy-go-lucky adrenaline rush. Um, and they're thinking that you're me being the, their fame, their number one creator or yeah. favourite creator was going to get that get money. That, yeah. But it's getting fucking kept by ByteDance in China. It's just... <sighs> It won't be long before the whole app. Anyway, so yeah. Instagram were losing followers. So they um, oh, they started the reel. So mm. they've got like a short video, 90 seconds is the maximum on Insta. So I all my videos go for maximum 90 seconds. Some of them only go for fucking 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, straight to the point. Hey, cunts. Win the morning, win the day. No, no, I can't love you. <laughs> Other ones I just fucking carry on like a two-bob watch. Has it ever been like, – is it part of your natural way to be offering wisdom and, and – like are you a storyteller, a sharer? Because like, you, you do it so well. It's I so, just love a so chat. Sincere. Love a chat. Say it how it is. I say things that a lot of people are thinking and won't say. I've always been like that. I've always talked about my days in the police force. Um it was like a therapy for me. I've, I've, the things I've seen, you can never unsee. Mm. And like all your listeners, you've seen shit. You've lost mates in a surfing accident or a drowning. Like you can never unsee what you've seen. And I've spoken to psychiatrists and psychologists, and and certainly that has helped. It's it's probably sent me in a in a grown-up direction. I, I sort of, they've opened up a, a couple of avenues in front of me that I had never seen. So then, but I talk about it. Um, I know at parties, for instance, I talk about the police force days and some stories and I just end up with this 
fucking circle of people listening. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a universe that not many people have access to, mate. Like, no. I mean, that, like you said, there's that first responder camaraderie that is basically built a lot of the time on trauma, like helping each other mm. out and, and understanding that, you know, as you say, what you see you can't unsee, you're going to be walking in on, on these scenarios that are fucking horrifying. Um, but that's fascinating people. And, uh, yeah. you know, and there's there's one of the coping mechanisms for that sort of universe is humour. Like, you've got to be able to fucking laugh at a lot of the shit you see or you're just going to go you fucking down to, the... Yeah, look, you, you have to have a giggle. You know how I laugh at myself? Yeah. Um, when I had to get the teeth out, that was a big identity loss, I suppose. Um, and, and what was the... I mean, you don't have to go so into it. So, I ended the, up with a... Um, a blood infection. So I was up at a mate's house, new swimming pool up at Corowa on the Murray River there, yeah. New South Wales, Victoria border. And they just put a new swimming pool in. So I went up there for the weekend, got fucking eaten by mosquitoes, um, covered in mozzie bites the next day. They all started to heal, except for below my knees on both legs. So from the my knees down to my <sighs> big like a, toe. Like a fucking hectic staph infection or something. Few days was just raw flesh, bleeding. I was ready to go to casualties. Christmas Day was the Saturday, Boxing Day Sunday, public holiday Monday, public holiday Tuesday. Tried to make an appointment on the inter- online for the doctor. Couldn't get in for fucking three or four weeks. I thought, what the fuck am I going to do here? Luckily, I saw my doctor down at the local cafe on the Tuesday morning and I just lifted the leg of my pants and showed him. He said, you get there nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'll, we'll get you in. So I had blood tests, told them the story about the mosquitoes. At this stage, I had no pain in my mouth. I didn't know what it was. Mm. I had all these blood tests for all the mosquito-borne viruses. Um, leukemia, he said it could be leukemia. It could be a type of um, HIV infection. You've got no red blood platelets in your cells. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Mm. Anyway, a week later, all those tests came back negative and they still didn't know what it was. It was getting worse. The cream, cortisone cream I had didn't work. He actually gave me some Endone. Fuck, I only had two of the, those things and I I flushed them down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, they're brutal. Um, I know an old mate of mine after a knee, Rico, he he ended up on them for five or yeah. six years. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I threw them down the fucking shitter. <laughs> and so the... This is only 18 months ago. This is January 22. So they put my legs. He called the two senior doctors in. Nah, looked at all the test results. I got no idea. Put my legs up on the Zoom on a video. Put it out to the worldwide fucking dermatology community on the fucking Zoom. And a, a doctor in Sydney picked up. He said he's got this thing. It was a big long Latin name. I can't mm. remember it. With ending in vasculitis, which is an inflammation of the blood cell. And he said it's probably caused, not by the mosquito bites, it's probably an infection he's got in his mouth, in his teeth or gum, that you don't know about. Go and get an x-ray. So, bang, straight over to the x-ray, had the fucking head scanned. Wasn't 15 minutes on the way back. The doctor rang, he said, it's your bottom jaw. I booked you into your dentist straight away. You need an emergency extraction. Fuck, is that... Uh, is that Pluck that did that? No, it was receding gums. Genetically, I'm fucked. Right. I might be able to tell a story and be switched on with trademarking hay cunts, but <laughs> genetically, I'm fucked. 
Yeah, right. So my mother had receding gums. I had actually a gum transplant when I was about 17 years old before I had braces put on. So they they took a half of the roof of my mouth and sewed it along the bottom gums of my front teeth just to cover up, mm. just genetically fucked. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, the reason why I was asking is, um, you know, there's a, a well-known... Uh, very famous surfer who, you know, unfortunately went down a, a, a fucking unfortunate path in life and, and ended up with rotten teeth. And uh, the dentist and the doctors were like, get him out, get him out. That'll lead to all oh, sorts of complications. Sorts. Like, you know, it leads to brain cancer. It leads to all these sorts of conditions that uh, – and it's all through, uh, yeah, just basically – plaque and infection and all that yep. shit just getting straight into the places where you, you need straight it Straight into the bone. I yeah. um, I went to the dentist every 12 months, had seven grand worth of bloody braces mm. when I was a late teenager. In the police force, actually, I had fucking braces. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, I took it, had, yeah, annual dental checkup, and it turned out to be this. So emergency extraction. So I had four procedures over six months. I then had to go back in and get more, um, like they had to cut open the gum and then file down bone because it wasn't healing. So I had no, I, Hectic. five months I had no teeth and I had to, wasn't allowed to eat any solids, not even mashed veggies. I just had boiled up meat broth, mm. lost, as I said, 18 kilos until the new teeth, I couldn't get the new dentures until everything had healed up. And yeah, and, and now, like so many people have said to me on online, they've they've themselves have taken themselves to the dentist, mm. um, because they've had issues and they've never felt better. I I tell you what, I, it's the best thing when they came out, and then I had the antibiotics for the blood infection and everything fixed up. I had a six month checkup. Uh, they did another X ray. The radiologist basically said he's had this. With the degradation, was it called osteomyelitis, which is a infection caused um, degradation of the bone. It's, you've probably had this for about 20, 25 years, this wow. slow infection. You've yep. had these blood cells going through your heart, your head. Um, you haven't had a stroke. You haven't had an aneurysm, heart attack. You've dodged a fucking bullet. Fuck, like, man, that's wild. That so is that's absolutely why wild. When the... Um, my boss gave me the ask for my social media success. I just accepted that, walked away, ghosted him, never answered any of his emails. Mm. He bailed me up a couple of times in a cafe in Mansfield. Um, got out, finally left the house, sold my house. Best thing, it's like it's nearly 12-month anniversary and oh, so many people say I should send him a couple of free tickets to my show. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, uh, in that time, you have really, uh, you know, opened up on your channels about your mental health, when you're going well, when you're not, and fuck, a, a big part of why people connect with you, I think, is that vulnerability, you know, like being able to share that. Yeah, and but I've what, had a couple of issues where I broke down on on certain little videos, like when I spread my little dog Oh, lashes. mate, please don't even talk to me. Like, that um, was, that. my wife and I were dead set fucking buckled watching that like that was two handy. weeks before i hit the road first november i hit the road last year um, my, one of my three whippets mm. um versace 
Ian and McQueen. And McQueen just ran out to the car one morning, as we did, about 7.30. He took the right, the, the sort of right-angle bend in the carport out to the car too quick and snapped his back. Just like that? Bang. Oh instant. God. And I knew when I walked, I heard him yelp. I went out. I didn't see it happen. went out um, and thought, fuck, his little back legs were just, he was paralysed. Um, straight to the vet. Um, and it, it was just, I had to get him put oh, mate. down. It was just. So anyway, I had his ashes yep. with me travelling and I'm just looking for the right spot. I'm getting all sad again now. <laughs> And that peach in Evan's head reminded me so much of Ocean Grove. And so does Lennox head here. Love it. I reckon I'll be back here. I'm going to do Australia first before I sort of settle down again. Mm. Um, save a bit of money. I've got some money put aside from the house I sold. However, um, I need to do a few more fucking shows of the price of real estate <laughs> up here. Might be, um, yeah. Yeah, that's but this is the place. I've, I've lived in, well, on the coast, born and bred. Um, I don't go in the ocean a lot anymore. I just sort of go up to my knees or waist. I'm not I've fucking grown up. But I'm not going out on a surfboard out to those back fucking breaks. No fucking way. I was watching today, actually, at the, um, the fucking, what's that seawall thing? Yeah, called? Lighthouse Beach there, there at Ballina, yep. There was a... A surf hydra board, hydra foil. Yeah, the foils, yeah. The foil board. I was watching him. He was There was a jet ski dragging him out and he was riding the waves in. It was over the other side. I couldn't see that well. But one of my followers, fans, his name is Brian Finch. He's an American guy. lives in Hawaii. He reached out to me just with a DM on Insta and he said, I'm in Byron Bay for a couple of weeks for the foil board world tour. Mm. That's what he does. He's one of these top... So he's my new mate now from Hawaii. He's invited me over to Hawaii. And I was just watching this. I've never seen him before. I didn't even know they existed until Brian reached out to me. And then I looked at his page. It's like, fuck, I remember the air chairs behind the speedboats. I've seen them before. Yeah, yeah, those paraglider things. Yeah, but I haven't seen – oh, fuck, I remember as a kid there was that boat in Sydney Harbour, the ferry was one of those hydrofoils. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know where <laughs> it is now, but that was the first. And then now the America's Cup drills, uh, rules changed and those fucking boats now, those mm. amazing. Ah, it's incredible, mate. Like, I mean, you don't even need a braking wave anymore. You can no, just ride well, a l- uh, Brian was saying you, with the foil board, you can sort of self-propel it. They catch a wave, come in, mm. and they'd catch a break from, I say Watego's Beach at Byron, but it's Watego's, but... <laughs> Wotigos is my fucking way, and I'm going to yeah. stick with that. But they would catch a break there and come all the way into the main beach, mm. walk over to the beach hotel and claim their fucking, I don't know, title yeah. or name on the fucking board. Classy. But no chance you'll get out there? Not on a foil nah. board. Nah. No. I've given it a crack. Uh, it's not for me, but... No, I'm know, not going to do a surfboard. I Look, I, I like... The idea of, of living in a location like this again, my senior years, um, a kayak, do a kayak in the up the rivers. Yeah, uh, love that. Beautiful waterways around here. Yeah, just this is the place. Like um, as I said, I'm going to travel Australia first. So we're up to Broadbeach on the eighth of July for the show. North Lakes at the Thirsty Chief Brewing Company on Saturday the fifteenth. 
up to Bundaberg at the Brothers Sports Club on Friday the 4th of August. I'm doing that coast. I'm still, I'm still booking. I'm town hopping. Yeah. Um, I've got a fishing charter, actually, on the 4th of July at Evans Head. So I'm taking eight people out fishing. How many t- How many uh, spots left on that? Uh, there's only, I think, six spots left. So okay. it's a total of 12 people and on the boat. And where can people find all your details, mate? On my website. Yep. I've just actually, it used to be my little side hustle, mansfieldwormfarm.com.au, but I've owned the domain name of heycunts.com.au. And when I was over at Lismore with my show, I was there the week before with a guy that's sort of become my little media advisor agent. And he sort of thought, where's the worm farm come from? And I said, well, that's just my... I had everything set up when this fucking blew up. So I just thought I'd put my merchandise on there. I registered the domain name, heycunts.com.au. And only three days ago, we changed the site over. So it's heycunts.com.au. H-E-Y-C-U-N-C-E, heycunts.com.au. And all the shows that are booked and confirmed and the fishing charters... Come straight up on the homepage. I've actually got another fishing charter at Evan Heads, Evans Head, sorry, on the 19th of September. The boat is called the Pirate, mm. and the 19th of September is International Speak Like a Pirate Day. So I thought, <laughs> fuck, I'm going to book it for that day as well. Go out on the Pirate. So, mate, Fluff, look, honestly, man, I can't tell you how much I just enjoy what you do and um, how much joy it brings. Like me and my mates. Send it on to everyone, you know. I got mum onto it. I got uh, my sisters on it. It just goes everywhere, you know. And um, people love it, mate. They love you just being you and sharing. I guess the wisdom that you've picked up uh, over the course of your life through some hardships and and also through, I guess, just taking control of things, mate. And and like you say, you know, being in a, a toxic environment, having that kind of courage, uh, even though I know it was awful at the time, to just fucking walk away and make some choices that were. Yeah, Probably a bit scary, but fuck, like, look what you're doing now. If you, if you hadn't have done that, you could just be in, in the cycle, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Going to work Monday to Friday. I, and, and I was for 12 years of loyalty I gave for these people. I, mm. I, I knocked back going to friends' birthdays, um, graduation anniversaries with my police mates. I knocked back so many fucking of my things I should have been at for my loyalty. Oh, I can't fuck it. It's fucking two, two fucking days away. I can't get there. I can't take time off work. Um, fuck you. you. How bad do you regret those things, oh, man? I, I know. If I miss a wedding or a fucking birthday these days, I'm, I, I just want to kick myself. Yeah, I I'd know. be there at where if I wasn't at the wedding, if I was at home or something missing it, I'd be fucking, my head would be, what the fuck did you say no for? Why did you not get yeah. back? Um, so if there's one thing I've picked up, over the last 12 months and sort of put it out there is is give it a fucking crack. I gave it a crack at 19 to join the police force, got in, had a great time, had a great career, quit because it was the end, went into a garden design landscape business I'd never done, fucking jumped off the edge into the deep end, mm. uh, went and worked at a casino to learn a new fucking hospitality trade. That will get you around the world. I've always said too, there's um, a please, thank you, and you're welcome will get you fucking everywhere. Yeah. It'll get you around the world. It'll get you into doors that you'd never thought you could get into. Manners are free. It's the only fucking thing that's free. So I'm not afraid to give anything a crack. Yeah. Um, 
But like, mate, I think now, also like it's not just giving it a crack. It's it's uh, it's acknowledging that you know when you're in discomfort or pain, that's just your body's way of telling you that that change is yep. is needed. Yeah, you know, yeah, and whatever that change looks like is is up to you to kind of. I don't know, instigate in a way, but like that, that discomfort and, and that sort of feeling of like you, you're stuck is a really hard thing to get past. But if you can somehow acknowledge that that is a signal, you can embrace that change and take on a whole new direction in your life, yeah, which you've like, done really well, mate. To I, jump off, to step outside the treadmill, to even think about mm. that is excruciating. But once you do it, I remember when I decided I was going to resign from the police force. I fucking ummed and ahed for three or four months. I was a fucking wreck. And when I typed out the little Form 47, it was, this fucking number we had to do for a resignation letter, I handed that in and it was like, what the fuck did I just waste four months of my brain time just... And precious life. ...aching over yeah. and... I just... I think I had a mortgage. I thought... What the, how the fuck am I going to pay that? Um, it was like, and, and another thing I've learnt is spend your fucking money. Um, yeah. It'll come back. You yeah. can make more, spend it. Um, I've had fucking negative balances in my bank account and I don't know how the bank keeps giving me money, but they do. Mm. Um, fucking spend it and it, it, it'll come back, but your fucking time won't. Um, with this health scare, 54, I spoke to my parents in their early 80s. They didn't sort of retire and travel until they were in their 70s and they were fucked. Yeah. They'd get to these destinations, waterfalls, gorges. Um, they couldn't get into them. You've got to park your car fucking five kilometres away and hike mm. in. They couldn't do it. They missed out on all these things. They had the money, but they... Left it too late. So don't be afraid to fucking give it a crack. Go and travel. Um, you might be on the treadmill. I don't know where I'm going to fucking end up, but I didn't even know of Evan's head or Lennox head. And I was invited here and my little dog's ashes are on the beach. So I'll always have a connection there. It's just so similar to the, the Ocean Grove I grew up. All those little beach shacks and surfing shacks, they've all fucking gone. They're these mm. big three-storey McMansions. Oh, it's happening everywhere, mate. That's but Evans is just... It's a little throwback, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, all these little retro fibro... There's a few fucking ugly big McMansions, but mm. they've sort of... Oh, I just fucking love this area, and I'm ever so grateful to have made it here. Mate, we're stoked to have you here. Um, Just, just before you go, like... You know this this world that you've you've just dipped your toe into this uh, sort of standing up in front of rooms full of people. Uh, are you feeling the gratitude? Like oh. uh, you know, like you played at Lismore the other night, uh, probably one of your first ever shows. Like people turned up in numbers, and fuck, they're all there looking at you. And yeah, and it was does a it validate room? like all these choices that you've made? Oh, it, it's it's amazing. It's mind blowing. Like um. It was really casual. It wasn't a theatre-style setting. It was just a little back bistro mm. area. So there was tables and chairs, couches, a little retro. I uh, had access to a bar. It was, it was private. Um, I sort of walked around the crowd, interacted afterwards. But Stuart, my agent, said, he said, I've just watched afterwards. The, the line-up afterwards for selfies yeah. and autograph 
There's no fucking tour posters. I was going to sell them. I just gave them away. Um, it was the messages. People had said, oh, such a mm. show. It was fucking great. Um, it, it's it, now after that first show, I'm glad I've got that one under the belt because now it's like I got bailed up by some senior bloke this morning walking out to the seawall. He saw my whippets and um, he said, you're on fucking Instagram. I said, I'm all over the fucking internet, cunts. And he said... <laughs> And I had my glasses on and my teeth in, so everyone a bit ums and ahs. Yeah, but, yeah. And, it, like, he was in his fucking mid-70s. Lives up here, or at Ballina, he's retired up here. Loves it, lived all over the world, ended up in Ballina. It's a great area. Yeah. Um, he's not the only one. No. I'm not the only one that thinks that. Um, and it, just the smile on his face was like, fuck you, make me laugh. Oh, mate, big time. Big time. It's the best gift you can give to people. Yep. Like, fuck you can't go sick. to the chemist and get a fucking box of tablets called laughter. That's yep. one thing I've learned. And yep. if I can do that, if I just make one person laugh and, well, fucking my job's done, cunts. On your fluff. All right. Thanks for joining us. No, no, cunts. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Conversations. Ain't that's what presents.